Embody respectfully acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia and pays respects to elders past and present. Welcome to Mission Unplugged, genuine conversations about Christian faith in action with young innovators locally, nationally and globally. I'm Mitch. And I'm Emily. This episode, Mitch sat down with Laura Weatherall of Veta Youth. So Laura is the Director of Spiritual Formation for Veta Youth, and she's also a primary school teacher. She's passionate about empowering the next generation to know their worth and value. She lives on Warrior Run territory with her husband, Josh, and their corgi puppy, Milo. This was a really fun uh, conversation to record. I um, really enjoyed chatting with Laura. We got to talk a lot about growing up in the church and um, the highs and the lows that kind of come with that and how communities like VEDA uh, really go towards shaping young people and supporting them through the ups and the downs of life and church life. Yeah, I think that was one of my favourite parts too. I just loved um, hearing a conversation about um, VEDA youth being a really ecumenical space for people of young people of all different um, Christian traditions, being able to come together and learn from each other and engage with faith in a way that might be different or unique or not necessarily unique, but different to what they're used to. I just, I loved that. That was really cool. Before we jump into today's episode, just letting you know that Safe Water September 2022 has officially launched. So if you want to take the challenge to drink just water for one month and raise money for life-changing Safe Water projects, head to safewatersupember.org.au to sign yourself up and join a team. All right, let's throw it over to Mitch and Laura. I was asked last week, what does it mean to be a Christian in your view? And I, I answered, to be like Jesus, full stop. I I think that we can overcomplicate so much of the Christian journey and it it is worth thinking through these things and it is worth having deep theological thoughts on all sorts of different issues. But at the core of it, are we living like Jesus? Are we loving people like Jesus did? Are we creating space for God like Jesus did? And my heart, uh, whenever I'm pray- planning and praying for retreat, is that people will know that the complexity of Christianity, but the beautiful, simplistic version of Christianity. G'day Laura, welcome to Mission Unplugged. Thanks, thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to share with you today. That's great, it's great to have you on the podcast. So. For people listening along at home, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, who are you? What are the kinds of things that you're involved with? Yeah, my name is Laura and I uh, am a 20, nearly 28-year-old um, young adult uh, living life um, as a wife, as a daughter, as a sister, but I also am a teacher, do primary school teaching, and I also work for Veta Youth as the Director of Spiritual Formation. Um, which, yeah, is who 
who I am currently. <laughs> this in this moment in this season. <laughs> That's good. So, tell us a bit about your faith journey so far. Uh, what role has faith and church played in your life? Yeah. So growing up, I grew up um, with my mom as a Christian, and she uh, would take us to church each week and. She was very instrumental in making sure that the Christian faith was part of our uh, day-to-day life. Um, I was really fortunate that the church that I grew up had one of the best children's pastors in the world, in my opinion, um, and they were very formative in, um, yeah, in being part of my life, in investing in me as a person, me as a child, in me as a Christian, um, yeah, and growing up within in the faith uh, has been really integral part of my Christian journey. What did uh, church involvement look like for you? Yeah, so my brother and I actually uh, used to command mum to take us to church. Uh, So there'll be some Sunday mornings where as a busy mum that she was, that she would just want to sleep in and my brother and I would be at her bedside with her coffee and her breakfast telling her to get out of bed, it's church time Um, because we really love church. Uh, And then, um, yeah, at the age of 13, just as I entered year seven, I started being involved in children's ministry myself. Always had a passion for kids, hence the primary school teaching now. Uh, And I was raised up as a junior uh, leader um, within my children's ministry at my church, which was really uh, a great investment into me um, as a Christian leader and as a Christian woman um, where I could serve um, and find out more about who I was and who God created me to be um, and also love kids, which, uh, yeah, has been an essence throughout my life. That's great. That's awesome. And I'm glad that when you were, were bullying mum to take you to church, you at least gave her coffee and breakfast. That's <laughs> Yeah, like we were nice without bullying, you know. I don't advise that to any children at home to bully your parents. <laughs> so, Laura, what about um, the idea of mission? That's, that's kind of what we here at Embody are all about. Um, what does the word mission mean to you? And has that sort of changed and grown over time? Yeah, great question. Um, I think to answer the later one first, definitely my idea of mission has grown and changed a lot. I think growing up I thought um, I had two kind of ideas about mission. I had one that was you go overseas to do mission or the second one was to be a missionary in your local environment, which means having random strangers sleep on your floors every night um thanks to good friends who were in both those roles they either went overseas or they were part of urban mission life and uh so in my head mission the word mission being a missionary um was all kind of the same thing you you either did it 100 percent or you didn't do it at all and I think for me now, I recognize that that is not mission. Um, that's a part of mission, but mission is so much bigger. Um, and for me to bring it down to a sentence, I suppose, is um, mission it, to me means to love authentically and to love people authentically. And that looks very different in various contexts that I'm in. What does it look like to love people you disagree with authentically? What does it look, look like to love? 
your neighbours, your literal people living side by side with you authentically. What does it look like to love the stranger authentically? What does it look like to love the person who you don't speak the same language um, with authentically? And I think, you know, there are moments of our days where we can do that. Um, It's not if we're in tune with what the Holy Spirit is doing, we can find those spaces where we can just love people um, and sit with people in their need. And, you know, part of my mission right now is how do I be a teacher and how do I do that really well? How do I do that um, with loving my students authentically and loving the the staff that I work with authentically and how does the Holy Spirit work with me in every day? And I get it wrong a lot, but I thank God for the times where I get it right. Um, yeah, so I've definitely um, gone from more of a very much to be on mission is to give 100% of everything you do to leave everything you know um, to this more sacred space of mission is part of everything that we do. It's part of who we are as being a human. Mm, yeah, absolutely. The thing that strikes me about that is that both of those are still sort of giving a hundred percent, but it's it, yeah, you know, what you're describing is giving a hundred percent of your uh, uh, a quote unquote normal life to mission, rather than creating something separate from a normal life and giving a hundred percent of that to God. Yeah, a hundred percent using that hundred percent, but I think um, that it's. If this is who God has created me to be, that is my life. That's the mission that I'm on. Um, and I do feel that I probably will do overseas mission at some point in my life. I feel like that's something God has placed into my life. But that's not for everyone. Um, being nurses, being doctors, being social workers, whatever it is that God calls you to do, learning to do that for him and for his glory is part of your mission. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of experiences have gone into forming that perception of mission and your your current experience of mission? Yeah, I have two kind of big experiences that I want to share. So the first one um, was actually when I did Better Morphous, which I'll talk to you more about what that is later. Please. But the as part of that uh, year um, where we're learning about God and learning about the Bible, we do a retreat based on the idea of mission. What is mission? And as a 17-year-old from the country, um, coming into Melbourne, I witnessed for the first time in my life homeless people and the brokenness of this world. And I remember um, I used to work at Red Rooster and the Monday after I came home from retreat and had my whole world like completely changed. I was at work and someone got really angry at me because there wasn't enough salt on their chips. And I just broke down in tears for like a long time. My manager was very unsure what was wrong with me because I was like, what sort of world do we live in where people get angry over salt, where there are people who don't have food on the streets? And it took me months to process this experience um, of what does it look like to love people um, who for some times, no fault of their own, um, different reasons, they've ended up in this space where they just need someone to walk beside them. Um, and you know, that's 
we went on a tour throughout Melbourne CBD and we went through, we met some homeless people and we saw um, where different homeless people lived and it gave a face and it gave a name um, to people. And for the first time in my life, I recognized that there were people who were really not doing okay in the world um, that really needed that love. Um, and that was the first time that I was like, that's it. This is what I want to dedicate my life to. I want to dedicate my life to loving people. Um, fast forward 10 years and last year I um, was directing a beach mission which I've done for quite a few years, but because of COVID, we had to change quite significantly the layout of our mission, including the location. Um, and so we changed the location and we were praying about what God wanted us to do. And at about 3 a.m., I had this idea that we should do random acts of kindness, which actually turned into random acts of kingdom um, because I wrote it wrong in a text message, but it seemed to fit really well. Holy Spirit can even work through autocorrect. He can. Um, and so that was, yeah, really um, just praying about what to do in this space where there was people just, you know, at the end of 2020, the start of 2021, right after a year of COVID, um, life looked very different for very like, for most people. Um and so what does it look like to love people intentionally? And uh, so the whole of our beach mission turned into loving people intentionally, loving people authentically. Um, and that came through these random acts of kingdom, which were making meals for people who were struggling um, and also doing gardening. And there was this one particular um, time, it was 34 degrees, it was like so hot, I am not a hot person. I don't like heat. Um, yeah, same. Yeah, like bring me winter. Yeah, anything over 25 degrees is too hot for me. Yes, I 100% agree. This weather right now is perfect. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, this really hot day and this person had been um, nominated to our team and their grass was taller than me. It was about six foot. And we are like a bunch of young people who don't like gardening um, with the worst tools possible for a job like that. Um, like it was quite comical really. Um, and this guy had a random goat in his backyard that he'd been given that week um, to like try and help his yard, but the goat just caused more issues. Like it's very hard to mow lawns around a goat. Um but that week, um, that ended up taking three days to work with this guy and to help his lawn. And um, our whole team, just like they gave up every free time opportunity they had to come and do more work at this guy's house. And we got those lawns from six foot down to like a normal lawn length. And we took out three loads of rubbish from his um, from his house. And I was like, Watching young people do this and being part of it myself, I was like, wow, this is what mission is. Um, right now, like, we don't need to share the gospel verbally um, because that's happening. Um, and we didn't need to start that conversation about why we were doing it. That that question got asked to us. Um, and we were asked, like, why are you doing this? And the neighbours started helping us. They brought us water. Um, there was a whole community aspect happening 
And when we got to know the guy a bit, he um, had spent most of his life in jail and had 49 children, um, which is just a lot of children. That's a lot of children. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, and so a very, very broken life um, in all aspects, um, never really known love. Um, and here we were just pouring out our love. Um, and my heart was just so happy in that moment because I felt like this was what mission looked like. This was what it really looked like um, to be able to serve God practically, um, to love people unconditionally, no matter your background, no matter um, what has gone on in life. And I know that sometimes we can get caught up in church politics and um, this idea that, you know, if you don't have it all together, um, then like we won't serve you till you get yourself sorted out, which I that's church politics and not Christianity at its finest, I think. It's not loving Jesus well. Um, and so, yeah, those two experiences have opened me, have broken me, have challenged me um, to be more missional on a more day-to-day basis. Thanks, Laura, for sharing those stories. But um, one of the things that really stood out to me from that was that um, neighbours and community members started to get involved when you were helping, when your team was helping um, clean up that guy's house. Like to to step into these missional spaces is is an invitation as well to the broader community to, to participate in something something bigger and something world changing or life changing. Just even for that one guy, like that's that's incredible. Yeah, and they didn't even know that they were participating in God's mission while they were doing yeah. it, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what's it looked like? So for, for you as someone who has been heavily involved in church life from a young age, um, as you've talked about, and um, someone who's very passionate about sort of all of life being uh, part of God's mission into the world, what has it looked like for you to balance sort of inside church time and outside church time? Yeah, um, this is something I'm still working on uh, and something I'm still uh, grappling with uh, more and more. But I definitely used to be very, um, very, very involved in every aspect of church and you know, I would attend three services every Sunday and basically not be seen by anyone else on a Sunday. Um even now I still preach heavily and I am part of our core team of running our service and I'm part of our church council. And so I do still have those roles within the church. But more and more I feel like I want to be more focused outside the church and I want to um, use the church as a, as a mobilisation to serve Jesus. Um, and there are, t- there are some things I've just had to say, no, I'm not going to be doing um, that anymore for the church because I want to create that space where I have time for people um, because I don't think it's great when the Christians can't turn up because they're too busy being at church. Um, and I don't want myself to be that type of Christian um, where I'm sorry I can't come and bring you a meal when you're sick. I'm, I've got youth group or I've got music practice. Um, and there's definitely a time for those places and there's a season for them and I've I've been through that season. Um, but for me, I'm moving towards this place of how can I create 
time in my life, make sure I'm intentional with the people around me. And one of the cool things I've been able to do is actually integrate that within my church life as well. So one Sunday a month, we have a missional Sunday uh, that came out of my beach mission last year. I was like, I want to do more of this. Um, so we look at different ways that our we can serve our local community. Um, and that's uh, been quite interesting over COVID. How can you serve your local community on Zoom? Um, it's an interesting question to to think through. Uh, but some of the things we did was we would have a cooking night on Zoom and then uh, take those to our literal neighbours, to those people that we're, you know, in community within our 5Ks. Um, and we have done gardening for different people. We have um, written notes uh, during COVID again. We wrote letters to different people and just said, hey, we want to know that you are loved. We want you to know that you're cared for it and we're thinking about you right now. And so I've, I am so grateful I am in a church congregation where I can start to implement some of this, these things to how can we serve our broader community? How can we not just get stuck inside the walls? Um, church, I, I believe that church should be equipping for us to go and serve and do life well and do life um, as Jesus did it and live out his mission on our lives. Um, and so three Sundays a month, we get really, um, we get to learn about who it is for us to be good Christians and what it is for God to work in us. And then one Sunday a month, we get to live that out, uh, which is a really beautiful way. Um, it's not perfect. It's still messy. There's still growth, but it's a start. Of course. And I think that's what's really important is to start somewhere and see where God is at work and go with it. Mm. Yeah, I'm in. It's good. <laughs> so as we kind of flagged a bit earlier, one of your your key areas of, of work and ministry is with um, the crew at VEDA. Can you tell us a bit about VEDA and what that's all about? Yeah, sure. So uh, VEDA Youth is a youth discipleship movement uh, where we focus on authentic Christian learning. Uh, so we have three different kind of main areas where we work. So we have VEDA Neo, which is a year seven to 10 program. And that's often a curriculum run uh, in Christian schools for Christian students um, or for students who don't have a faith and are in the Christian school and are required to learn about it. Uh, and so we make sure that we create really good opportunities for students to really think through what what is this idea of God? Who is this Jesus? Um, and understanding more of the the practical arms of what God looks like. Then we have Vetamorphous, which is our Year Eleven and Twelve program, which is where we started from, and where I mainly work. And that is uh, focusing on Year Eleven and Twelve discipleship, and we work with kids, um, with students who are really in wanting to learn more about their faith, wanting to learn more about who God has created them to be. And we find that we get a lot of Christian leaders coming through. They're the people um, that really want to take their faith to the next level. And we have students in pretty much every state um, around Australia. And we, yeah, we act in each state, maybe the territories next year. We can pray, we can hope. Uh, and they students are just taken on a journey of deepening their faith, 
um, deepening who they are in Christ, working on their identity, um, and also looking at things like mission. What does it look like to live a life on mission? And then we have a third space, which is our VEDA discipleship program, which is quite new to us. Um, but we're focusing in that space around empowering Christian leaders and empowering Christian teachers with the tools that they need to support authentic Christian learning and growth within uh, the students and young people within their church congregations or within their schools. And so that's kind of, um, yeah, the three arms of VEDA. And VEDA's been a part of your life since around 2011, I think you said, um, when we were prepping for today. Um, what was it that drew you to VEDA and what was your experience there? Yeah, so I did do VEDA myself in 2011 in year 11. So um, it feels like forever ago, but also feels like yesterday. Um, and I first heard about VEDA in year eight and it was, you know, a church announcement. And, you know, like, I'm sure I'm not alone in saying this. You generally turn off during church announcements like, oh, yeah, just another announcement. And then this announcement happened and I remember like just being like, I am doing that no matter the cost, I am doing that course. And I was so angry that I was in year eight and I had to wait till year 11. Um, and there's actually email correspondence with me and the person who was in my role back then being like, can I do it early? Can I, like, is there any way that we could like, no, Laura, just be patient, um, which is probably a bit of a reflection of my character as well. Uh, and so it was like an instant thing. I just felt like God said, you're going to do this. And um, I made sure it happened. And when I was in year 11, um, my whole life kind of fell apart uh, pretty drastically. Uh, so I'd been in a relationship with a guy and that fell apart. Um, my parents decided to separate and my whole church went through uh, just a whole church split and it was really messy and really ugly. And in about the space of six weeks, every safe place that I knew completely crumbled. Um, no longer home felt a bit unstable. I didn't have like that relationship to rely on. My church friendships, my church leadership, there was nothing there to support me. And that I was the most amazing thing to be doing during that time. Um, and God really used VEDA to make sure that I was okay through that space. Yeah, so doing VEDA, I had to, as part of VEDA, you have different places, uh, different people speaking into your life. So uh, you have prayer triplets, you have ministry supervisors, you have mentors, and they're all things that we put into place for the students for them to have a full transformative discipleship experience. And so for me, in the midst of everything falling apart, I had people who I could pray with. I had people who were willing to mentor me. I had people who were my ministry supervisor who were willing to journey with me. And those people became integral to keeping me like sane and alive and um, not quite thriving, but surviving that season, um, which was really hard. And that, those tools that I learned from VEDA um, and those relationships that I made, they went into to year 12 where there was, you know, normal year 12 issues. Um, and beyond. And so that that was my experience of VEDA. And probably the reason I've never left it is because I know how transformative it was for me in a really hard space. Um, and so, yeah, the year after I did VEDA, I asked if I could help on camps and 
basically ever since then I've been involved in some capacity. Um, eventually they started paying me, which was really nice. Um, but I love what I do. Uh, I get to wake up every day um, and have really great conversations with different people. Uh, I get to journey with students who really have their own wrestlings and their own doubts and their own wonderings and their own joys. And we get to go on a journey together. And there is nothing more beautiful for me than watching them grow in themselves to think through uh, these questions. Um, and just last week, like my peer group, which is what we call the class, um, they all got into a massive conversation about how Jesus and culture works together. And it was the most beautiful conversation of eight people from eight different backgrounds, eight different theologies, happily, you know, disagreeing, agreeing, having faith-based conversations, sharpening each other's thoughts. And I was like, this is the most beautiful thing ever. Uh, and so I love that I get to see that week in, week out with my students. Yeah, absolutely. So for a, for a young person going through a, a Venomorphous or a Veterinio program, what kinds of impacts have you seen um, these these periods have on the lives of young people? Yeah, great question. I feel like uh, each year we see people be more empowered to be who God has called them to be. We see God working in their lives and working on their identity, um, but we also see them having the tools to really wrestle with theological ideas and concepts as well. So we talk a lot about how to exegete the Bible well. And I think that that is those tools that we give students um, help them no matter what their life experience is like. And so they can get to the end of the year and they can be challenged with a question and they don't need necessarily people there to hold them up. They have the tools that they can go, all right, uh, this would be a great question for my mentor. Or this is a great question to go into the Bible, but I need to make sure that I have my exegesis glasses on and I need to make sure that I'm doing this well. And so I see people more empowered about their own faith. They're not stuck with their their parents' faith or um, their community's faith, their school's faith, but they have taken that on as them, their own and they feel like they can actually have conversations. They can actually engage with people and ideas um, yeah, and more than that, they know who they are in Christ and they know that they are loved and made whole through Christ. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, just backing up slightly, you used the word exegesis. Could you get, define that for people who might not know that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, so exegesis is, in its basic form, reading the Bible in context and understanding uh, what it means in a literally in a literary way. Uh, so understanding what was happening at the time, what was happening in the actual context that the Bible was written, not just looking at it from a 2022 perspective. Yeah, yeah, great. So trying to get back to what it may have meant to the original hearers. So I know that um, retreats are a really big part of the experience of Vetamorphous and your role as Director of Spiritual Formation there. That's a big part of your role as well. Can you tell us a bit about what does it look like for you to be director of spiritual formation and you know 
retreats and activities and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, so I get the beautiful pleasure of running our retreats and we have three retreats in each state each year. Um, and so our first one is on the Bible and understanding it uh, in its context. And the second one is on mission. And the third one is on our identity in Christ. And they are, every year, they're the high points for our students. Uh, and so I love the fact that I get paid to create high points for students. Um, and I get to, um, yeah, engage with really great speakers and engage with content uh, and put together a weekend where students feel empowered and encouraged in their own faith. Um, we tend to be quite an ecumenical, yeah, I should use big big words (laughs) that I can't pronounce, Um, environment. And so our retreats are a great place for students to come, um, come together with other students from different backgrounds, especially if they have all gone to the same school forever together, you know, prep to year 12, they've been with the same community, um, to branch out and to see that there's other young Christians, other young people who love Jesus, who have different backgrounds to them, maybe different theological points than them, different understandings of God, and have those conversations which always end up with you like loving and being more beautiful um and like it's it's never a you're right and I'm wrong or I'm right and you're wrong situation it's a how beautiful is God that he created us to be the people we are and how beautiful is it that God has created us to have um different thoughts and ideas and still love him and I love seeing that they are willing to engage in that process uh and willing to get to know people who aren't their little bubble that they may have known forever. And I also, um, yeah, get to see them actually think deeply about their faith. Often um, students, if they have gone on a camp before, it's been within their church group and, again, those same people. So better is a great opportunity for them to engage with people outside of their little world, um, which I love. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, as you've said, like those opportunities to connect with other Christians and other the people of faith that, um, yeah, just do come at things from different angles and different directions is really great. Um, I like you, just yeah, really love those opportunities and 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 celebrate that God has created such diversity amongst people and. Even just within Christianity, I think we can very easily fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, oh, the the Christian view is this, that, or the other thing, where it's no, a Christian view is this, that, and the other thing. And here are seven others that have long, rich faith traditions. Yeah, and it's beautiful to see when people are aware of that. A lot of our students aren't even aware um, of denominations and the difference in denominations. And they're 17, 18 years old and they've only ever known that they go to this church and that's kind of it. That's what church is, yeah. And then they realise that there's people who do things differently to them. There's people who raise their hands in worship or there's people who do liturgy or there's people who do all sorts of different things and it's all beautiful um, and it's all an enrichment of who God is. 
And then you get the joy of um, diving into some of those different traditions and starting to to find things that, you know, might really speak to you. I have um, conversations regularly with my my colleague, Emily, who um, also hosts the, the podcast, but around liturgical traditions, um, she and I are both from, I mean, Churches of Christ background tends to be fairly uh, low church, so not a lot, not a lot of liturgy, not a lot of highly structured sort of regular stuff. Um, and then we we often reflect that, like, you know, we we grew up in a non liturgical tradition. Liturgy often is really appealing to us, and we go, oh, I really really like that idea of um, having these kind of regular, really well-thought-through um, things that you do every single week and it's all really consistent and planned and, um, you know, you don't need to show up in your your uh, best attitude because, you know, the liturgy will just guide you through. And then you chat with people who did grow up in liturgical traditions and they're like, oh, it's just so frustrating and boring. It's just the same thing every time. Oh, I just, I wish I could go to your church where everything's just so so free and open and you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, it's just so much more authentic. You're not just reading off the page. And, you know, it's it's great then to sit in the space between that with all of those people and those experiences. Yeah, and it is it is beautiful because you're like, and God doesn't care which one you do. Exactly. He's created yeah. us all so differently that some people in who they are in their nature, uh, they love the liturgical life um i was speaking with someone with autism the other day and they were saying oh going to a church with liturgy is just the most perfect thing for me because it makes sense it's all ordered and i was like that's so beautiful that's so wonderful where for me i am very much like let's let's go with the flow let's see where the holy spirit's taking us and so I love that God is that space in between and he loves us all equally and he doesn't see one denomination as better than another denomination or one person's practice of faith better. Um, and we get to journey with students in that space, which is really great. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I've never never considered liturgy as a a, um, a tool for people with, with autism or with disability. That's like, but that you say that, that makes total sense. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. I've never thought about that. Um, so bring, bring it back to your, your role, um, as director of spiritual formation, when you're, when you're planning things, when you're, um, you know, making decisions and, um, developing curriculum and retreat stuff, what's your hope for young people? Um, and you know, what can we be praying for, for you, for better, uh, for young people involved in your programs? Yeah. My hope is always that people will know the God of love and I hesitated there because I feel like there's this this sense of um it can get the world can get pretty warped and the world can get pretty uh crazy and you can start asking lots and lots of questions and I was asked last week what does it mean to be a Christian in your view and I I answered to be like Jesus, full stop. And the person who asked the question was like, oh, interesting that you put the full stop there. And I've been reflecting on that just this last week. And um, I I think that we can overcomplicate so much of the Christian journey. And it it is worth 
thinking through these things and it is worth having deep theological thoughts on all sorts of different issues. But at the core of it, are we living like Jesus? Are we loving people like Jesus did? Are we creating space for God like Jesus did? Are we getting away? Are we fasting? Are we doing just all these spiritual practices that Jesus did? Are we going out of our way to meet the women at the well? And my heart, uh, whenever I'm planning and praying for retreat, is that people will know the, the complexity of Christianity, but the beautiful, simplistic version of Christianity. And that they'll come to Veda and they'll come to a retreat no matter where they come from and they'll go, that's the God that loves me. That's Jesus who died for me. Uh, and it's this really profound moment when, you know, a lot of these kids have heart, head knowledge. You know, they've been in the Christian school system. They've been at church. They've been at Sunday school. They're like the top Christian leaders of their year level often. And you could, if we did a Kahoot on Christian Bible 101, they would know the answers. But how much of it is in their heart? And so my prayer is to get that head knowledge down to a heart knowledge and get that um, that real transformative experience where they are not just stuck in their head but they can live out of this space that their heart is transformed. And so, yeah, within that, I would love if you guys um, are praying for our students that they would just know um not just head knowledge, but have a real encounter with Jesus and have one that transforms their life um, and that they would be strong enough to stay um, in the faith. We see a lot of drop-off um, just culturally in the Western world that most people will decide at 19 not to be Christians once they've left that school bubble. And my prayer and my hope is that these people, these students, once they finish school, they will know even more than they did before they did better, that God loves them and that they have a purpose here on earth. Um, and so praying for that, praying that they'll continue to walk in their faith, praying that they won't um, disengage with God because the questions are too overwhelming. I think that that's a space where I see our young people ask more questions today uh, than I've previously seen. They are you know, we're seeing even, um, I hate to bring up politics, but it's the season we're in. Um, there's a third of people who have no idea who they're going to vote for in two weeks' time. We're in this unknown space. Uh, there's a lot of questions. And often we give that uh, the Jesus is the answer, answer and that's not always helpful. Um, sometimes we just need space to wrestle with those thoughts and those desires. Um, who are we going to vote with for and why? And what is the reasoning behind that? And what are the biblical thoughts? And don't just tell me, um, you know, what you think I want to hear, but let's actually wrestle with that. Um, there's these big topics that have been swirling around the world for the last few years. Um, how do we deal with that? And sometimes the church can shut that down. Um, and often out of their own, we don't know. So if we just don't talk about it, um, it's not there, but how can we create a space where students can bring their doubts and their worries and their struggles and work through them so they fall deeper in love with Jesus? 
so that they can know their identity even more so um, that is with God. That's always my prayer and always my heart. And it feels often like a, a mission field that is unaccomplishable and it feels very daunting um, to see young people transform. But over and over and over again, Jesus turns up and it happens and my life is made better for it. Um, but I think the Christian world is made better for it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, it's great. Oh, thank you, Laura. It's been amazing to hear a bit of your story and um, hear a bit more about Better Youth and the work that you've been involved with. Um, so if people wanted to connect with you or the VETA team, where would they be able to find you? Yeah, you can jump on our website, veta.org.au, and that uh, has all the information about all three of our programs, Discipleship, Neo and Morphus. Um, and if you want to contact me individually, you can email me laura at veta.org.au and I will happily talk to you about anything, um, even if it's not veta related. If you have questions about life or faith or journeying with people, um, I'd love to chat. Awesome. Amazing. And I know that at the time we're recording this, you're about to head into sort of a whirlwind few weeks of retreats. So we'll just be, be praying for you in that space as well. I hope everything goes really well. Uh, yeah, Victorian retreat next week and then South Australia retreat the week after and then New South Wales and Queensland the week after that and Tassie somewhere in the middle. So, uh, yeah, it's all happening. It's a, it's a road trip. <laughs> it's a beautiful one, though. It's so much fun. <laughs> oh, thanks, Eve, Sorry. Yeah, and, yeah, we, just, we trust and pray that God is going to show up powerfully in those spaces and, yeah, with, with a fair bit of confidence. <laughs> Thanks, Mitch, and thanks for all that you and Embody are doing in this space as well. Thanks heaps to Laura for joining us on Mission Unplugged. If you want to connect more with Laura and the team at VEDA, you can find them at VEDA.org.au or you can find them on Instagram at VEDA Youth. All the links are in the show notes. Safe Water September 2022 has officially launched. If you'd like to have a life-changing impact through Safe Water, head to safewatersepember.org.au to find out more. Thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged, a podcast by Embody. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review us so more people can find us. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Join in the conversation right now in our Discord server at embody.org.au slash discord. Embody is a national community of young people passionate about mission locally, nationally, and globally. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at EmbodyAU and visit our website at embody.org.au. All the links are in the show notes. Embody is part of the Global Mission Partners family. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia and pay respects to elders past and present. We recognise their continuing connections to land, water, and culture. Music in the show is by Josh Woodward. We'll catch you next time and thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged. Welcome to Reading Mission. No. No, No, that's not the podcast we are doing.